Good morning, gamers, and welcome to the Polygonal Sunrise, your weekly video game news briefing every Monday morning. Today is Monday, April 8th, 2019. I'm your host, Jack Martin. Let's see what happened last week. Borderlands 3 release date confirmed in trailer. New playable characters revealed. This article was written by Tamor Hussein of GameSpot on Friday, April 5th. 2K and Gearbox Software have officially announced that the Borderlands 3 release date is set for September 13th, 2019. This confirms what was revealed in a leak earlier this week. Although the timing of that leak, April Fool's Day, prompted some hesitation. The game will be available for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Alongside the release date, Gearbox has also announced a new trailer, which confirms that, at launch, the game will be distributed through the Epic Games Store on PC. Borderlands 3 will then come to additional PC digital storefronts in April 2020. The trailer is a showcase of Borderlands 3's gameplay, and also introduces the new playable Vault Hunter characters that you'll take control of as you hunt for loot, the legendary vaults, and take on the fanatical Calypso twins. Among them is Mose the Gunner, Amara the Siren, Flack the Beastmaster, and Zane the Operative. While we've yet to see a whole lot of the game, we can expect the slow unveiling to continue early next month. Gearbox has confirmed that a Borderlands 3 gameplay reveal event is slated for May 1st. That should give us much more detail on the heroes and their powers, as well as any new mechanics or systems planned for Borderlands 3. Mose is able to summon a mech which other players can mount. Amara can summon ethereal arms to brawl with, Flack controls beasts, as his class name implies. And Zane is very handy for distracting enemies, slipping into combat, doing damage, and escaping. The antagonistic Calypso twins, meanwhile, are attempting to unite the various bandit clans with the goal of taking ownership of the galaxy's ultimate power. Whereas previous games were mainly focused on single, sprawling locations on Pandora, Borderlands 3 will give players the opportunity to travel to new worlds beyond it. Gearbox is promising that each one will feature unique environments and enemies. Another new feature introduced for the game is Level Sync, which makes co-op play a little more friendly by scaling the experience for each player, regardless if they are playing together online or locally in split-screen. The tentpole feature for Borderlands 3 is vehicular combat, which is sure to inspire Mad Max-esque feelings in players, as they tear across savage lands engaging in combat with enemies. Alright, here's my thoughts on the Borderlands 3 release date. Well, I was totally wrong. I expected this to be a next-gen game, but it's coming out this year and on current-gen consoles. I'm definitely happy about the quick release date since the announcement. That seems to be a trend nowadays, and I'm all for it. For example, Fallout 4 was announced and released the same year, 2015, and Borderlands 3 is another example of announcing a game the same year it's released. A big part of this announcement for PC players was the exclusivity to the Epic Games Store until April 2020, and this has a lot of people upset. Now, I'm not a PC player, so I don't exactly understand why everyone keeps getting upset about exclusivity to the Epic Games Store. I understand having a preference to Steam or other launchers, but launchers like that are free, so I don't know if that really particularly matters. But again, I'm not a PC player, so I can't exactly speak to that issue with great confidence. Regardless, I'm really excited for the game, and I can't wait to play it in September. Alright, on to the next story, Super Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild to get Nintendo Labo VR support. This article was written by Adam Bankhurst of IGN on Thursday, April 4th. 
Super Mario Odyssey and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild will both be getting free updates that will allow these titles to be played with Nintendo Labo VR. Announced by Nintendo, these software updates will arrive on April 25th, just a couple weeks after the launch of the Nintendo Labo VR Kit on April 12th. Super Mario Odyssey will feature a quote, bite-sized bonus experience, end quote, that will allow players to head back to Cap, Seaside, and Luncheon Kingdoms with Mario and Cappy in three new mini-missions. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild will allow players to experience the full title in VR with a flip of a virtual switch in the options menu. Odyssey and Breath of the Wild will join such other VR games included with a set as Ocean Camera, House Camera, Marble Run, Doodle, Bird, and Bird Dash. Alright, here are my thoughts on Mario and Zelda getting Labo VR support. I'm really not set on Labo as a Nintendo owner, it just doesn't really seem like it's worth it to me. The VR aspect of it is interesting, but I imagine it's not a stellar piece of hardware compared to Oculus or PSVR. The Mario mini missions don't really seem like a selling point for the Labo. The trailers show that the missions seem pretty bite-sized, so this game definitely won't be moving many Labo VR kits, I imagine. Being able to play Zelda in VR, however, is very enticing. That game is so beautiful, and I'd love to experience that in VR. It's really late, however, and I've already played the game so much, so I personally wouldn't buy Labo VR just to mess around Hyrule for a little bit in virtual reality. It's strange that Nintendo is marketing Labo VR with newer games that are coming out. Both of these titles came out in 2017, so it's a little weird to me that these two games are the selling point for Labo VR. Regardless, I'm definitely interested to hear what people have to say about these games in VR. Alright, on to the next story. Odd Tease in The Division 2 spills the beans on the next Assassin's Creed. This article was written by Jason Trier of Kotaku on Friday, April 5th. An unusual teaser in Ubisoft's loot shooter, The Division 2, highlighted weeks after the game's release, reveals that the next Assassin's Creed game is all about Vikings. Kotaku can independently confirm the same. The Division 2 launched on March 15th, but it wasn't until this week that discussion about a possible teaser located within the Potomac Event Center in the game's version of Washington, D.C., started generating buzz. As first made public by YouTuber Joyraptor, there are numerous posters all over this event center, picturing what appears to be a Norse god or traveler adorned with the word Valhalla. What's particularly interesting is that said traveler is holding what appears to be the Apple of Eden, a pivotal piece of technology in Assassin's Creed lore. So does this mean that the next Assassin's Creed, confirmed by Ubisoft to be skipping 2019 and going straight to 2020, is all about Vikings? Well, yes. Yes, it does. A few months before this teaser emerged, Kotaku learned from two independent sources familiar with the game that 2020's Assassin's Creed, codenamed Kingdom, does indeed star Vikings. We don't know much else about the game, but after the phenomenal Assassin's Creed Odyssey, we're stoked to see what's coming. Ubisoft declined to comment. This teaser is a strange one. Ubisoft has a long history of sticking teases for future games in its current ones, most infamously with Pioneer, a project that was shown off in a Watch Dogs 2 mission before it was cancelled and then brought back to life in a different form. A new patch for Watch Dogs 2 also dropped a major clue for Watch Dogs 3, telling the world that it would be set in London, which it is. What's unusual about this tease in The Division 2 is that it's subtle. Who would have thought to look for the Apple of Eden in this poster? Yet, it's also in your face, with dozens of copies of this poster hanging all around the event center. It's not clear whether it was officially sanctioned by Ubisoft HQ, or just stuck in there by a cheeky artist, but it's fascinating nonetheless. 
fans have long theorized that the next Assassin's Creed would be set in Rome. After an old 4chan post that accurately revealed Assassin's Creed Origins before it was announced, said it was part of a trilogy including games in Rome and Greece. Several recent rumors have given traction to that theory, rumors that are almost certainly incorrect. Vikings and boats and pirate raids are the route Ubisoft is heading in 2020. Alright, here are my thoughts on the Assassin's Creed Vikings tease. What an interesting way to tease a game. Ubisoft is known for having its games get accidentally leaked, so this is a fun way to somewhat tease their next game themselves. Vikings and the Norse mythology would be such a fun world for AC to explore. Assassin's Creed recently had games set in ancient Egypt and ancient Greece, so this seems like a natural transition to another fascinating mythology. I'm personally fascinated by Norse mythology, especially since the release of God of War. I haven't picked up an Assassin's Creed game since Assassin's Creed 3, so this might be the game that gets me back in the series. Alright, onto the final story. Team Meat delays Super Meat Boy forever to maintain, quote, healthy and sustainable pace, end quote. This article was written by Rebecca Valentine of GamesIndustry.biz on Friday, April 5th. Team Meat has announced it has delayed its upcoming release of Super Meat Boy Forever in order to avoid crunch in the game's final stages of its development. In a statement posted to Twitter, the studio pushed the April 2019 release further back to an as-yet undetermined date after this month, saying that Team Meat intended to maintain, quote, a healthy and sustainable pace, end quote, of work. Quote, we could have sacrificed our minds, bodies, and social lives to make April 2019, but that's stupid, end quote, the statement reads. Quote, Team Meat isn't some studio owned by an evil asshat corporation that has say over what we do and how we do it. We are fortunate enough to have control over how we work, and we choose not to run ourselves into the ground. End quote. Super Meat Boy Forever was announced in 2014, initially as a mobile game, but went silent when half of Team Meat, Edmund McMillan, departed the project and began working on other titles such as The End is Nigh and additional content for The Binding of Isaac. The studio's other half, Tommy Refens, restarted the project in 2019 for a console and PC release with a team of four others, including Offspring Fling developer Kyle Pulver and Undertale artist Temi Chang. Alright, here are my thoughts on the delay of Super Meat Boy Forever. As Shigeru Miyamoto once said, a delayed game is eventually good, but a rush game is forever bad. I'm glad that Team Meat is taking their time on this. Crunch is a serious issue in the games industry. It has been for a while, but the infamous Red Dead Redemption 2 Crunch at Rockstar highlighted the intensity of Crunch and how detrimental it can be for developers. Props to Team Meat for taking their time and making sure they don't burn out. I'm sure Super Meat Boy Forever will be a better game because of it. Alright, that's it for news. So I thought I'd talk to you, the audience, to give you a little insight into what I'm playing right now. Recently, I've been playing a ton of Modern Warfare Remastered for the PS4. It feels just like the original did, with some added visual enhancements. I personally prefer the old Call of Duty games, like COD 4 and COD 5, which is my favorite. So this was a welcome blast from the past. I didn't have a PS Plus subscription recently, but I felt like I had to get one for this game when I heard it was included with March's PS Plus games. I was definitely not let down, and I can't wait to keep playing COD 4, one of my favorite games from middle school. The other game I'm currently playing is Pokemon Blue, and believe it or not, it's the first time I've ever played a Pokemon game. As I've said before, my Nintendo experience is, well, rather limited. My first Nintendo console was the Switch, and the first Nintendo game I ever beat was Breath of the Wild. My buddy Christian Buckley of JoyClicks suggested I play Blue before Sword and Shield came out, 
so I decided to play the first ever Pokemon game, and I absolutely adore it. I totally understand the hype around Pokemon now. I really love learning the systems in the game, like which Pokemon is best for certain situations. Christian and I are even documenting my experience with it over on Joyclicks. If you want to hear more about it, watch My First Mon on YouTube by subscribing to Joyclicks. Before we end the show, let's take a trip back in time and see what happened this week in gaming history. This is for the week of April 8th to the 14th. April 8th. On April 8th, 2001, Nintendo releases Dr. Mario 64 for the Nintendo 64 in the US. April 9th. On April 9th, 2007, Nintendo releases Super Paper Mario for the Nintendo Wii in the US. April 10th. On April 10th, 1991, a Federal Trade Commission investigation of Nintendo is made public. The focus was on allegations of price fixing. It is announced that Nintendo has signed a consent decree, agreeing to not fix prices or punish retailers who lower suggested prices. Nintendo agrees to mail out $5 coupons to buyers of Nintendo Entertainment Systems between June 1st, 1988 and December 30th, 1990, toward future Nintendo merchandise. On April 10th, 1995, Midway Amusement Games releases Mortal Kombat 3 version 1.0 to arcades in the US. And on April 10th, 1998, Nintendo releases Yoshi's Story for the Nintendo 64 in the UK. April 11th. On April 11th, 1992, Nintendo releases the Super Nintendo Entertainment System in the UK. Price is £149. And on April 11th, 2003, Microsoft drops the price of the Xbox in Europe to €199 Euro on the continent and £129 in Britain. April 12th. On April 12th, 1992, the judge of a federal district court in Los Angeles, California, finds Sega Enterprises guilty of infringing an American inventor's patent, ordering $33 million paid. The inventor's attorney will seek an order barring the sale of video games by Sega. On April 12, 1994, Acclaim releases Mortal Kombat 2 for the Sega 32X in the US. And on April 12, 2005, Microsoft releases Jade Empire for the Xbox in the US. April 13th. On April 13, 1992, Nintendo releases The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past for the Super NES in the US. And on April 13, 2010, Ubisoft releases Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Conviction for the Xbox 360 in the US. And finally, April 14. On April 14, 2001, Nintendo releases Animal Forest for the Nintendo 64 in the US. And on April 14, 2004, Microsoft releases a special edition Halo Xbox bundle in the US. The system comes in a bright translucent green case instead of the standard black. 200,000 packages are available, priced at 169 US dollars. That information came from a really cool site called thisdayinhistoryinfo.info/confid. There, you can find all sorts of cool information about what happened each day in gaming history. And that's it for the Polygonal Sunrise. You can join us every Monday morning for your weekly gaming news briefing. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FascinatedJack. And you can follow the show on Twitter at PolygonalPod. If you have any questions or would like to contribute to the show, email me at PolygonalSunrise at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the show in its own feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podbean. You can also find the show under the Amherst Wire feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or AmherstWire.com. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. It really helps out the show. Have a great week, everyone. The Polygonal Sunrise is a production of the Amherst Wire. Visit AmherstWire.com or find them on social media at AmherstWire. 
This episode was recorded, edited, and produced by me. The entertainment slash podcast editor for the Amherst Wire is Jonathan Kerma. You can follow him on Twitter at jkerma98. My supervisor for the show is BJ Roach. You can follow her on Twitter at BJ underscore Roach. And finally, the music for today's episode is provided by Damon Hatfield. You can support him at damonhatfield.bandcamp.com or find him on iTunes and Spotify.